I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast by the Takshashila Institution. We are a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like bringing fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and Indian perspectives to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to All Things Policy. I'm Manoj Keval Ramani and I'm joined by Shambhavi Nayak and we're again going to be talking about the coronavirus like we do every week. We try and provide an update on what's been happening, what are the numbers of cases, is this at now a pandemic level or are we no longer, are we not there as yet uh, and what are the sort of threats that uh, different countries are facing, how are they looking to address it, what is the sort of political, economic and all the other sort of related challenges of this virus that's spreading around the world. To begin with, let's just look at the numbers from where things have started, which is in China. Um, once again, Hubei is the province which is first hurt. And there was a lot of confusion in Hubei this week uh, with regard to restrictions in Wuhan being lifted on people coming in and going out. And there was a notification that was issued and which was immediately after that rescinded. So which tells you a little bit about uh, how even in a tightly controlled information environment like China, uh, you can have such confusion between within the bureaucracy um, that this sort of confusion ensued for a period of 24 hours. But sort of the big numbers this week are that we are at about 78,000 cases uh, within China and Taiwan. So that's greater China. And uh, internationally also there's been a spike in cases. The total death toll within China again is at about 2,666. Um, these numbers will change a little bit by the time this episode goes on air. From a Chinese point of view, the big sort of top line has been that the rate of increase of cases has gone down. Now, there's lots of speculation mm. about this because uh, suddenly this number has crashed. It could be because of, again, like last week we spoke about them tightening the testing mechanism again. But uh, there's also a case to be made that internationally the spike in cases has been very sudden. So, Shambhavi, you were talking about South Korea, Japan, uh, and yeah. does that then match up? Yeah, so Japan uh, now has about 850 cases. South Korea reported 60 new cases yesterday, which was... Monday, uh, leading to a total number of 893 cases in South Korea. Uh, Iran has had 61 cases with 12 deaths. Italy is emerging as a hotspot in, in Europe with 200 cases uh, so far. Uh, so suddenly there's a shift in the trend. So, so far we were seeing a majority of cases being limited uh, yeah. to China, but now we are seeing a lot more cases outside. Yeah. Of China. And also last week, I remember when we were talking and we were looking at the numbers, um, apart from Japan, because of the Diamond Princess, uh, numbers around the rest of the world were in double digits. Yeah. And now suddenly you're seeing these triple digit numbers and more deaths, right? Yeah. And the one place we have not got any information from is obviously North Korea. Yep. So we have, have absolutely no idea. Yeah, that's another what's, black box altogether. What's yeah. happening there? Yeah. But yeah, speaking of the Diamond Princess, there were 12 Indians who have been um, infected with the coronavirus on board the Diamond Princess, mostly crew, but they have been quarantined and kept there for recovery. Okay, so that's like that's another Indian incidence which hmm. otherwise would not have gotten counted because they would not have been in the country. Uh, but see, that's the thing, like in such an environment where people are on a ship and that ship is quarantined now. How do you treat, how do you sort of contain the infection and the chances of people on that vessel getting infected is so, yeah, so, so high. It's so high, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we spoke last week, right, about this case where uh, in China, this quarantines are creating clusters of yeah. infections. Yeah. So uh, it's the same case, right? I mean, yeah, it is the same case. I mean, when I first heard about it, I was like, wow, yeah. this, this is a little surprising. 
because you are in a closed vessel and you are basically there with people that we know have the infections yeah and so what has happened as a as a result of that is people who have now been deboarded are also kept in quarantine yeah so you are stuck on in quarantine for some time and then you are stuck once you get out and it's extremely tricky to know how long you're going to keep people in quarantine yeah. initially we knew that okay this the virus can show its sort of symptoms and the effects can be seen anywhere between 2 days to 14 days this week there was a conversation about well some people have shown them even after 20 25 yeah. days so now that threshold has gone up to 27 days which is a month this and, and the other thing was about uh, so for example a lot of countries around the world put up this thermometer testing yeah. at a process where you screen for your body temperature yeah. and if your body temperature is high you are basically uh, sent for further diagnosis yeah. so if you don't know how long you you can be infecting people yeah. Uh, or how long it takes for uh, you to actually have a fever because you have got infected you're basically missing out a lot of people yeah so even if we have a quarantine period that we know of yeah. we still don't know what testing needs to be done and when it needs to be done to to really make sure that you are coronavirus free i mean the fact that this is spreading is for many reasons it's very difficult therefore to devise policies because how long are you going to keep people and how many people are you going to yeah. keep quarantined yeah. right yeah. and so like I remember in one of our initial episodes on this, we spoke about uh, the infectivity of a person, and we said that up to four people can be infected. Now they're trying to find super spreaders. Hmm. Uh, so, for example, in South Korea, they have tried to say that that there's a, a church which basically is the epicenter for the outbreak in South Korea, and this one person is supposed to have spread the virus to 37 people. Hmm. Uh, so now they're actually uh, going to go and either quarantine or put under house quarantine the 200,000 odd people who were at that church at that same point of time. but there is this concept that a single person might be able to spread to more than uh, the average population does so for example in 2015 when we had the mers outbreak which was also a coronavirus outbreak they had one patient who infected 82 people no oh, goodness yeah so and we we really don't know the biology of how this works or uh, why these people can uh, infect more people so that two theories either their immune system is very weak so they show symptoms uh, but the viral load is so much that they actually infect other, a lot of other people or that their immune system is so good at suppressing the virus uh, that they don't show symptoms yeah Uh, but they have the virus and they can spread the virus. Yeah, which is where my mind yeah. sort of first went to that, right? You know. Yeah. So they're called super shadows. Okay. <laughs> they're shedding a lot of virus. Okay. So how have these countries now? So we're still looking at Japan. We're looking at South Korea. Even the US. Uh, how are these countries now responding? So in US, I remember you were telling me that you know they're looking at new money to be raised. Yeah, yeah. So the Trump administration has asked for two point five billion dollars from the Congress mm-hmm. uh, as money to actually fight the infection, and they have said that about a billion dollars of this will actually. go into the creation of a vaccine There is a 2.5 billion dollars. Yes. So the remaining 1.5 billion dollar will go to build a build a wall against the virus very likely. Yes. Yeah. So you're probably going to see a new big beautiful antivirus yeah. wall. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> so apart from that there's also work on a vaccine that's been going on right you were telling me that there is some yes, sort of vaccine so there, that's been there are obviously many companies which are trying to invest in in finding a vaccine there is one company moderna in the us the boston based company uh, which has uh, put forward a candidate to the us national institute of health and we have to wait and see whether it's approved for human trials or not but even if it is we are still months away from actually getting a vaccine that is ready for human administration Okay. So even if next week the the National Institute of Health comes and says that this candidate is approved for human trials, we are still a fair few months. It's still a fair few months away. So the other thing that you were t- we were talking about was that, and this links back to this idea of super spreaders, right? 
we've seen this in China that events have been pushed back. This week, we finally got an announcement that uh, that much anticipated decision on that National People's Congress, the parliamentary meeting, uh, the parliamentary meeting will not be happening in March as scheduled, and they haven't even announced a date when it will be happening. The NPC Standing Committee, which is the executive body of the National People's Congress, they met and they sort of also tightened the re- legislation regulation on uh, a- animal trade. And things like that. Yeah, they've banned wildlife. Yeah, which is, you know, I mean, after the horse has been bolted, you shut the door. And so, anyway, so, okay, so that's what you've done so far. But it also impacts not just events in China. So, a lot of things in China are going to get pushed back. I mean, we spoke about the Grand Prix in Shanghai. We spoke about other events. We spoke Mm -hmm. about trade fairs. Um, All of that's going to get pushed back. But even internationally, there's now a question about the Olympics in Mm -hmm. Tokyo, uh, which is scheduled for 2020 July, right? Yeah, that's scheduled for July. And uh, till last week, there was absolutely no shadow because everyone was saying that the Olympics will still go on. This week for the first time, Japan has come out and said that uh, it's too early to say whether we'll postpone or not. So there's a hint to there that Okay. It's, it's on the table but still, but still not it's still not off the table still enough, happening yeah. okay yeah. they're still sort of scheduled unless uh, things change or things get contained yeah I think it's just I, I don't think we have enough information about this outbreak yeah to know I mean the one lot of people who would sort of disagree with you are these hardcore China watchers who will constantly read things into different statements um, so this week Xi Jinping appeared in public and this was grand televised event where he and the entire Politburo standing committee appeared uh, without wearing masks so uh, and they spoke to hundreds of thousands of carders talking to them about uh, what sort of efforts need to be made and there's some really interesting stuff that he said in this speech so he calls this as both a crisis and a big test for us and I'm quoting him here he says that the epidemic remains grim and complex and it is now the most crucial moment to curb its spread um, he also talks about this being a major public health emergency since the founding of the China People's Republic of China. Uh, There are a couple of other interesting aspects of his big speech in which he talks about uh, how, uh, uh, you know, in January 2018, there was a meeting which happened after the uh, National Party Congress Mm. in 2017, in which he assumed his second term as the general secretary of the party. He sort of recounted that meeting and said, you know, way back then I had spoken about the importance of being prepared to contain infectious diseases and epidemics that could spread like SARS and things like that. So at some level, he's sort of managing his political position. So it's interesting how people have read this. I mean, at one level, he's also saying things like, you know, we are brilliantly positioned to tackle this because our system gives us certain kinds of strengths uh, which is slightly paradoxical as an argument given that lots of people have argued that um, the spread of this disease and the failure of the initial efforts uh, in the province was a product of the authoritarian nature of the Chinese state Um, but he's sort of come out and defended all of that there's two sort of interesting strands of thought that go on right one is that there is a serious crisis and he's sort of putting it out there that there is a serious crisis and he's outlining that this is going to be painful, this is going to be problematic and he's sort of taking ownership of the crisis. Mm. Uh, Why you remember, you know, in January you were talking about him passing the buck to yeah, Li Kachang. Yeah. So that's one thought. Uh, the other thought is that there is a serious crisis but he feels like he's in control of things and things will get resolved or at least they will be able to get a handle on things and this is sort of backed up by some of the data that they are putting out whether you trust the data or not is a separate question but if you see that the numbers are declining and it is at this point when numbers are declining to this degree he comes out and he says look this is a historic crisis and you know it's only us who can solve it for you and then say a month down the road he says we solved a historic crisis 
you know who's the man that sort of logic and that sort of is then him yeah, i think in his case might be bolstered if outbreaks outside of china keep on increasing exactly so then, yeah exactly yeah. so then it is he can say look we contain things yeah. here but outside things are increasing but also it could be the case that you know and the chinese have made a case of this that you know we've and there was a bloomberg piece on this also uh, the china has sacrificed a province or a city mm-hmm. to save the world and they've also made that argument that we've made these choices to essentially help everybody else around the world and that's been one strand of thought so therefore i was saying that you know uh, hardcore cynics will say that uh, it's actually getting better and this is him sort of taking this is political opportunity opportunism whereas others would say that uh, no actually things are really terrible yeah. um, and i guess the proof of the pudding in all of this would be uh, in the final economic numbers because yeah. he might take credit for whatever if the economy is not kick starting it's going to be really problematic for him So that's I think one thing that you know one needs to keep in mind there are so many strange strands to this particular story and you it's very difficult to sort of capture everything. So you started off by talking about how great uh, well how much Xi Jinping will say how great uh, China system is and how information is easy for them to pass on. We in India actually has seemed to have a bit of trouble currently. Over the weekend, um, on WhatsApp, there was this notification which said that the Director General for Foreign Trade had again uh, banned all exports of masks and PPE. So, if you remember, in January they had put out a notification that banned all exports. Uh, then they amended to say that three ply and two ply masks can be sent out of India. Uh, and then over this weekend, there was again this rumor that uh, no, no, everything has been banned again. Yeah. Uh, and so customs uh, actually shut down shipping of masks and stuff for a, for about a day then the dgft had to come out and say that no we never issued such a notification again this is yeah. a false notice and i really don't understand why would somebody do something so horrible it's so easy to play mischief in an yeah. environment where you already had a ban and very soon the ban was lifted partially it's so easy to play mischief particularly in this sort of era yeah. of misinformation and you can and you can tell the poor customs guys right because they really don't know and yeah. and there's the way to check with a superior is going to be probably so difficult yeah uh, that you have to be lost an entire day and which means that masks which are supposed to go out to contain this outbreak have been stalled which is horrible The other thing that obviously also happened uh, is that uh, the government of India has revoked uh, the FCRE qualification for Manipal University. Okay. Uh, so Manipal University has been working with a lot of uh, pathogenic viruses, Nipah being the most uh, known case. They actually played a role in identifying the Nipah outbreak in 2018 in Kerala. Uh, and they did it faster than the National Institute of Virology in Pune, which is an ICMR center. Uh, and that actually bought up at least 24 hours to 48 hours of time for Kerala government to start quarantining people. Mm. So recently, uh, there has been a lot of uh, introspection by the ICMR on foreign collaborations. We had a case where in one of the NCBS studies was under investigation. Now we had this case with uh, with the Manipal Institute of Virology, um, and they have basically stopped Manipal from receiving any funds from the US, which Manipal was doing to build infrastructure to do uh, a study on looking at uh, how fevers are caused. Uh, so the the idea is that about fifty percent in about fifty percent cases of fevers, we do not know what the causative agent is. Okay. So whether it's a virus, it's a bacteria, what virus is causing it, and if we do not know what causes the the fever, we can't treat it. Yeah. So a we can't treat it. B uh, the immediate response is to give antibiotics. Yeah. Uh, which is causing a rise in antibiotic resistance yeah. as well. So um, at least even if we can't tell which virus it is, if we can tell it is not a bacteria, we can stop this whole antibiotic process. Yeah. Right? So uh, Manipal Institute was one of the sentinel surveillance centers uh, for this study. 
uh, and they were actively trying to figure out what was causing uh, fevers, at least in this geographical region. Um, and stopping that at this point of time, when the world is in the grip of an outbreak, yeah, just sounds so stupid. Yeah, it just sounds really strange. Why would you do that? Unless there's something deep that we have no idea about. Of course, of course. But yeah. still, I mean, we, we if there's an outbreak now, we really need to be operating at full capacity. Our capacity is anyways nowhere close to optimal. Yeah. But we need to make sure that if the outbreak comes to India, we can pick it up as soon as it does. Yeah, it's really strange that we're making some... Some of these choices make no sense in the broader sort of... When you look at it in the broader sense, it makes no sense. I mean, another choice that makes no sense is what the Chinese are doing with this, in the Indian jet. I mean, by the time this episode goes on air, mm-hmm. we know that on the February 26th, the Indian jet is supposed to go. The C-17 carrying supplies from India is supposed to land in Wuhan. But this is supposed to happen nearly 10 days ago. Yeah. And for some strange reason, there was no clearance given to this. Even today, there's no clarity on why the Chinese held this up. Every other day when the foreign ministry in China would be asked as to which countries are helping China and which countries have been supportive. And they'd put out a list of countries. And ever since, I think, Prime Minister Modi's letter to Xi Jinping, India has said that we're going to be giving this aid, we're going to be giving this aid. It's just incredible as to why this was held up. And the jet was supposed to go in, not just deliver supplies, but it's also supposed to bring back yeah, uh, Indians in Wuhan. Yeah. It, that's incredibly myopic policy from a Chinese point of view. Firstly, you're holding Indian citizens hostage, which is just ludicrous. You can't do that. Mm. Uh, other countries have been given this uh, freedom. An Indian jet, you know, Indian planes have already gone in the past. The mm. two jets have already gone. Air India planes went to evacuate Indians. It just makes no sense to me as to why they delayed it. And uh, I mean, good on the Indian embassy over there to make a fuss about this and raise this issue publicly to at least embarrass them enough to realize that what they're doing is incredibly stupid. At one level, you're asking for more support and trust from India. At another level, you know, you're essentially holding Indians hostage, which is just a horrible, horrible optics. It's just horrible optics from a point of view of, you know, you come to India for, uh, you know, you have these informal summits and you talk about people-to-people exchanges. Yeah. And that's the worst thing that yeah. you can do. But it's so strange. I mean, the the idea of these outbreaks and the kind of clarity it brings to policy uh, yeah. recommendations to how you are to manage yourself politically yeah. uh, versus managing panic in your people and trying to manage the economic situation. and How do you prioritize all of that? I think it, this is a really good test. Yeah, it will be an interesting case study once all this sort of subsides, once this current chaos, because right now it's essentially week by week. And as people who've been listening to us can figure out that it's a Every week, the situation changes so dramatically and something completely new develops. There are newer sort of angles to the story and it becomes very difficult to sort of, for a politician, decision maker in charge to start to figure out, well, this is my priority and this is what I should be doing. That can change within 24 hours and change quite dramatically. And how do you then sort of reevaluate? And you can't really make decisions unless you get accurate information how do you verify and trust and yeah, I think that is our, that has been our main problem has yeah. been to get correct data yeah. in time yeah. to be able to take steps well okay so I think we've covered everything that we wanted to talk about in terms of uh, what's happened in the week yeah. and uh, uh, just here's just hoping that uh, on Thursday as you're listening to this things have not dramatically changed um, but yeah but even if they have uh, at least you have a sense of what's been happening so far uh, thank you so much for listening to us thank you so much Ambavi thank you Manoj and do keep listening to All Things Policy If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. 
The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at Takshashila INST or our website takshashila.org.in.